Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I hope you're enjoying a great summer and hopefully that includes watching my podcast. Today we're talking about Freedom Convoy organizer Tamara Leach and the fact that she's back in jail after what many see as a travesty of justice and a vindictive approach by the authorities who seem to want to make an example of her uh, for her having the temerity to organize a peaceful civil disobedience against government overreach and encroachment of our civil liberties. Tamara has been charged with mischief, counseling mischief, obstructing police, uh, counseling to obstruct police, counseling intimidation, and intimidation by blocking and obstructing one or more highways. She was arrested in February towards the end of the truckers' protest and was out on bail in March. In June, she attended a gala event in Toronto. Uh, She was there to receive the George Jonas Freedom Award. One of Lich's bail conditions was not to associate with other convoy participants uh, unless in the presence of a lawyer. A photo of her with one fellow participant, one fellow convoy participant, Tom Marazzo, was widely shared on social media. And believe it or not, she was shortly rearrested after that. She's now been denied bail and facing the prospect of a very long time in jail while she awaits trial. It's hard to believe that this is happening in Canada. Today's guest will help me unravel what's been happening to the Tamara Lich case and what it says about the legal system in Canada. Please welcome to the show well-known criminal defense lawyer, legal expert, and commentator Ari Goldkind. Ari was present during the Lich bail hearing and had some critical comments to make about the government's handling of the case, even though he's not a supporter of the convoy. So I chat with Ari about the case and what it means for all of us. Do tune in. It's great to have you here, Ari. Uh, I'm so glad that we could make this work, and uh, it's a, a truly a pleasure to have you here. I've been reading some of your tweets uh, on the Tamara Lich bail uh, hearing, and uh, you've been pretty vocal about your uh, criticism in your criticism of the way that uh, Tamara Lich's ba- recent bail hearings have been handled by the authorities. In particular, you say that I'm watching the Tamara Lich bail hearing. This is entering into third world stuff, truly Kafkaesque nonsense. It literally that bizarre and reflects some very concerning issues about how our bail system is not working. Um, this this is a pretty damning indictment of the, the system. Could you elaborate on this, please? Why do you think that the bail system is not working in the context of the Tamara Lich case? I've been doing criminal law, Rupa, and it's great to be with you. I admire a lot of your writing a lot of the time. Let's not keep that a secret from people. (laughs) And being a criminal lawyer who's done more bail hearings than I can count on 20 sets of feet and toes and hands, and I'm understating it, criminal lawyers who are busy do them every day, sometimes two or three a day. Even in my own cases, when I have clients not get out who I should, who I think should get out, I've probably never been as outraged watching the Tamara Leach bail hearing on this Justice Center dinner three-second breach photograph with the wrong guy, an enemy of the state, and watching the Justice of the Peace detain her, let alone what I thought were the egregious and abhorrent acts of the Crown Attorney and the homicide detectives who had nothing better to do in Ottawa than put out a Canada-wide warrant, which is never put out for nonviolent people on breaches, by the way. Find somebody to show you where that's happened. 
but they have nothing better to do than prosecute this person. That's bad enough because I have a great admiration for most crown attorneys. I would probably be a crown attorney, but for certain things. I don't play well with others. I like what I make for a living. I like being the underdog, a whole bunch of other things we don't need to get into today. But I have great admiration for them. And when I see what this one crown attorney, who I won't even say his name, has done throughout this proceeding, treating Tamara Leach as if her name is Paula Bernardo, or pretending she's such a threat to the state that she needs to be jailed indefinitely. If Tamara Leach is such a threat to the Crown Attorney's Office and to the Ottawa Police Service, who in my view, both of them are exercising a political vendetta on her because she made them look terrible. She shut down their streets. And by the way, full disclosure, I think anybody honking their horns at night, keeping commerce from going, the blockades, I'm very much not on the convoy side. I thought they should all be arrested. And if you even honked your horn and woke a kid up from sleep, or a nurse who had to go to the doctor or the hospitals at 9 a.m. the next morning, I thought they should all be arrested. So don't let anybody listening to my answer about my outrage think I can't walk and chew bubblegum at the same time and think one thing is wrong, it doesn't make the other thing right. So to go back to your question about our bail system, when I watch the bail hearing, and the amount of exaggeration and frankly stupid arguments that were being put forward that she's going to potentially face 10 years in jail for the mischief or that this is uh, a bail that would bring the administration of justice into disrepute equating it to firearms kinds of charges or child molestation or sexual assault. i'm sitting here going this is such garbage that i hope that the justice of the peace literally sits there and goes, this is garbage. And the first sign I had that I'm not going to carry the day in thinking this is garbage is when the Justice of the Peace said, she's already waited eight or nine nights in jail for a bail hearing. That is disgusting in this country, by the way. We'll get into the China-like aspects of it in a moment. The two Michaels, where we sort of thumb our nose when we look east and think of how they detain people and what they do to people who smoke a little marijuana or the two Michaels. She spends nine or 10 nights in jail. And then the Justice of the Peace says, I'll make her wait another three nights from Tuesday to Friday until I give my decision. You compound this in my business and what I do. And again, Rupa, I want to be clear. I'm not a partisan. I don't drink the Kool-Aid of one side. I get in trouble, seriously, for often not taking the defense side where other defense lawyers will say, how dare he have an opinion that isn't you know, the orthodoxy of being a defense lawyer. The justice of the peace comes into court and starts essentially ridiculing Tamara Leach's lawyer's argument. Starts ridiculing what a previous superior court justice had said. He knew the superior court justice that she's going to this dinner. And he made this three second breach seem like literally she had set off a nuclear bomb. And he then did something that to me was the sign that this is just absolutely unbelievable, where he said to Mr. Greenspan, well, there's no evidence her lawyers were around. You didn't call anybody. I don't want to take up too much time, Rupa, with telling you how the sausage is made. But at a bail hearing, you don't call evidence to disprove the allegations of the state. You can show that the charges are ridiculous, that they're not even a breach, or that if they are a breach, they're so minor a three-second breach with a Facebook picture with an enemy of the state, 
I couldn't get over the tone, the tenor, the mocking nature of the detention order. And to detain her that there's a substantial likelihood she'll go out and commit the kinds of crimes that keep Canadians up at night. And the tertiary ground of bail, which again, how the sausage is made, is invoked for only the most serious of cases, serious violence, gun violence, rape, child molestation. You can hate Tamara Leach until the cows come home. You can hate her cause. You can hate the convoy. You can call it the free dumb convoy, D-U-M-B. That doesn't mean you have to do the kind of mental gymnastics that that justice of the peace did, and so many mouth breathers on Twitter did. Yes, I said it by saying that because we hate her or disagree with her or think Trudeau came down from the heavens and how anybody dares criticize him or vax mandates or lockdowns, that means somebody should rot in jail for a year or two because they're my political enemy. Nothing could be more dangerous to our democracy or our bail system when we keep people detained, when they are a political prisoner in even the loosest definition of that term. Yeah, um, that's, uh, you know, that, you know one, one of several reasons why I wanted to chat with you, Ari, is that you're not a partisan and, uh, and you've also, uh, it's worth noting again, and this is something you say on your Twitter feed and you've said, that, said this now again, uh, that you're no fan of Leach or the Freedom Convoy. In fact, you say that uh, I don't care about the Freedom Convoy. I thought the blockaders and the honk- and honkers should all be arrested. Um, and you've also said that you were aghast at the abhorrent use of the criminal justice system um, this week and the deference to state power and narrative. Yes. Why, why, do you, why do you think that what's happened seems to show an abuse of the criminal justice system to fit an official narrative of the state? So, first of all, Tamara Leach is an enemy of the state. That means that the state and its weaponization of the criminal justice system should be extremely cautious. Because we cannot be a democracy, and we certainly can't call ourselves liberal. When if you have a political opponent of the governing power, the orthodoxy, the you get a shot or else you can't get on a plane or keep your job or be a cop or be a nurse or be a doctor or sell widgets, okay? I'm not saying what my position on that is. That's not part of my answer, okay? That's a whole different conversation. But when you know as a Crown attorney and as a police detective, we'll get to the detectives in a moment, You know that this is a political person who pissed off, for lack of a better term, I won't swear on your podcast, but that's probably an okay word, that she pissed off the entire city. And I understand that. If I was in downtown Ottawa and people were honking their horn and keeping me up and my sleep is precious to me, I'm not a nice guy. I probably would have done something that would have gotten me in trouble. Okay? So I'm no fan of this nonsense, as you pointed out. But when you know you're dealing with a person whose politics are at the core of these ridiculous charges, mischief, counseling to commit mischief, fail to comply release, even after you've had a bail review where the Superior Court judge knows you're going to the dinner. Remember, the ultimate irony of this dinner, which people forget, because some people don't think things through, was a dinner to specifically address the overuse and abuse by the state of the enormous power of the state that an ordinary average member of the public can't fight against. Your bank account frozen, 
the stupid emergencies act invoked by the lying Marco Mendocino, a guy I think is a really nice guy, a former prosecutor, but couldn't prosecute that case to a conviction if his eyes were closed. That's why everybody knows he's not transparent. Nice guy, horrible way of being an MP. But this is dangerous stuff because even for the people, and if you go to my Twitter feed, which you know I very rarely do, I put stuff out, I don't read it. But then you'll put, you'll see people on my, well, we don't like her. She deserves to be jailed. She's an, I'm like, you people don't understand what democracy is. I'm not a fan of all sorts of causes that have been popular in the last three years that have ruined our cities, that have ruined New York, Minneapolis, uh, Los Angeles, New York. But do I think a protester who's been peaceful, who isn't torching the courthouse, who isn't um, threatening superior court or Supreme Court judges, do I think because I hate them, I hate their politics, I think they're ruining America, do I think the weaponization of the criminal justice system should go against them? No. So to your question about why do I think that, is when you have a crown attorney, let me make this easier for people who don't know how the sausage is made. Mm -hmm. You could say that Tamara Leach breached her bail by taking that picture with Matarazzo or Marasso or whatever the heck his name is. I don't actually care. You can say that she breached it. But when you tell two Ottawa homicide detectives, homicide detectives, to put out a Canada-wide warrant and think this through, even if you disagree with me, I don't care who disagrees with me, I actually welcome it. You instruct them to get on a plane to go to Medicine Hat, Alberta, and arrest her and bring her back, make her rot in jail for eight nights, and you do that, you are literally sending a message that any Canadian who wants to dissent, who wants to stand up, should be silenced. Now, I can't prove that because the people who would likely say something who aren't anonymous egg-shaped avatars on Twitter, but who are me, Ari Goldkind, you can do it because you're Rupa and that's your bread and butter. But if there's a CEO of a company in downtown Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Prince Edward Island, Fredericton, that wants to say these things, they know, hold on, maybe I should just zip it because I don't need somebody looking at my frozen bank account. And if the citizens in Ottawa are okay with two homicide detectives taking time out from investigating, what's that you say? Homicides to go out and do this, even if you dislike her. This is a gross abuse of our criminal justice system. And if I were to say to you, Rupa, or your listeners, hold on, there's a lady who did maybe something bad and she got arrested for it. She didn't hurt anybody. She didn't not feed a child. She didn't sexually molest anybody. She didn't commit sexual assault in Quebec and digitally penetrate somebody and get a conditional discharge, a story which has escaped attention. She did what she did in Ottawa. Okay, she took a picture when she came off the stage. Somebody said, thank you, a nice speech. Okay, you want to arrest her for that and charge her? Muzzle tov, more power to you. But you could very easily have said there's a breach. We're arresting her. We don't think she's a menace to society. We don't think she should remain rotting in an Ottawa jail. Let's have a trial and let a judge decide. That to me would have been okay. But to use the jail system, the detention, to look to a court to defer to this, 
to have a court sort of give it the sign of the cross or the rubber stamp. People will say, well, Ari, a justice of the peace disagrees with you. He knows more than you. You're wrong. She's dangerous. She should rot in jail. Okay. But the fact that somebody can say that and not get arrested for saying that is exactly my point. Reasonable people can disagree. And if you don't think the shoe on the other foot will happen, if there's a Pierre Polyev government and somebody clings to a tree in Tofino, Pierre Polyev should not have the criminal justice system. Not that I'm saying Trudeau pulled any levers here. I don't think that at all. One crown, two cops. But if you don't think the shoe on the other foot could come for you one day, if there is a right-wing government and you offend them, and then you rotting in jail when you're nonviolent and you take the wrong picture, that to me is idiotic. And it's something that you would look east to China if I described that and said, political prisoner, pissed off an entire city, went against the government, uh, is a rabble rouser, didn't hurt anybody, didn't commit violence. Uh, they tried to jail her. They kept her in jail. A judge kept her in jail. Two judges then let her out and kept her out, knew she was going to a dinner. Then she took a picture. Now she rots in jail. If I said to you, what country is that? There's no chance somebody would say Canada. Canada no. Um, yeah, no, we'll get to when when the shoe is on the other foot in a little bit, Ari. But uh, you and but you know you touched upon these two individuals. You've been particularly critical of uh, the police officer and the crown officer. Uh, and given what you've said about the misuse of the system, do you believe that these two individuals um, were just merely misguided, or were they acting at the behest of the state? Uh, your general critique seems to suggest that the way these individuals and others who've handled this particular case, uh, this may not merely be accidental, but perhaps there's some design behind the way the Lich case has been handled? I don't think there are the Geppetto-like strings of anything to do with Trudeau or his mm -hmm. office having anything to do with this. I'm not that person. I know people want me to say it. Uh-uh, I don't. I think this is one man in Ottawa. I don't think the rest of the Crown Attorney, if they were put up to polygraph tests and put under oath, do I think other Crown Attorneys think what I think this one man is doing would be something they would support? Do I think a whole bunch of Ottawa police officers or police officers throughout the country think this is what two homicide detectives, again, homicide detectives, not parking ticket officers, homicide detectives flying out on your money to Medicine Hat, Alberta, to get her and bring her back. I don't think a lot of cops would support this. And again, separate out what was done to the residents of downtown Ottawa. I don't excuse it. I don't get past it. But when you look at what her cause is, which is businesses and people should not be shut down and canceled. By the way, small businesses, not Jeff Bezos, not Microsoft, not the idiocy that is Twitter, but actual mom and pop bookstores, barbecue joints, restaurants, diners, everything on Main Street that Jeff Bezos before COVID was already destroying. These are the people she was speaking for. Or people who say, I'm very pro-vax. I've got 17 vaxes in me. Uh, my kids have 17 vaxes in me. But do I think for a shot where the science is not yet in, look at the science right now for the vaccine with Omicron, I'm sorry. Is anybody going to talk openly about that? Actually, yes. 
because now the Toronto Star and CNN can't help having these little columns that say, oh, well, we're in a seventh wave because the lordship known as Pfizer hasn't solved this problem yet. A virus with a 99.7% survival rate. That was her point. Her point wasn't, let's overthrow the government. Let's destroy Canada. Let's harm babies. Let's shoot animals. Let's harm puppies. <laughs> if this isn't something where you don't think, and I don't mean you, I mean the proverbial you think, yeah. is this really a matter that she belongs stuffed into a jail cell for a year or two? And Rupa, here's the other point about why this is so pernicious. And this may be too boring for people watching us, but I'm not often boring, but here it comes. One of the consequences of somebody not getting bail in Canada, and you can read this on your own. This is not me as a defense lawyer. Don't listen to me. Go look on your own. Is when somebody doesn't get bail who has a good case for a trial, who has a good case for a not guilty plea, because they're going to get offered time served, because they're told by the Crown, you plead guilty, we'll let you out. Think this through. You're so dangerous to the country that we're going to keep you detained on bail and you can't get out. But if you plead guilty and admit it, we'll open the jail door for you. What not having bail does is it makes a significant number of Canadians say, you know what? Do I want to wait three, four, six, 12, 15 months for my trial? Or do I want to plead guilty, get time served, go home and lick my wounds? Mm -hmm. That's another pernicious danger. Yeah. of the bail system failing, and it hasn't been talked about enough. Well, that uh, segues nicely into my next question, which is, uh, you know, some of the aberrations that you've noted in this particular case. Do you think this is just a one-off, or do you think this is opening up the door to future abuses? We've talked about the fact that, you know, uh, or you mentioned this, that, you know, when the shoe is on the other foot, uh, if when a future conservative government uh, uses similar strong arm tactics to go after someone, say, on the left. Um, do you think we're kind of at this dangerous tipping point here in Canada? I've personally seen this kind of ping pong uh, play out in some third world countries uh, where uh, different when different parties are in power, uh, you know, they, they they they'll go after their opponents. Um, I And I never thought this kind of thing would ever come to Canada. Um, and you've actually used the word, uh, the term third world to refer to what has been happening here. I, I wonder we're at that dangerous tipping point here. What makes Canada not be on the precipice of third world? What happens when gas goes up to $3 a litre? What happens when food becomes so expensive that ordinary average people can't afford it? Everybody thinks that day will never come. But nobody thought two years ago when the Trudeau government was printing money hand over fist that we would ever get to the point where gas was 215 or 220 a liter. Nobody thought that raspberries or lettuce would go from 99 cents to 399. So this idea that they're over there across an ocean, they're over there, is one that, you know, you start having energy slowdowns here. You start having energy failures here. You start having ransomware attacks like nobody will say the Rogers outage was. I don't know what it was. But this idea that it was a router down because they did some upgrading, I'm sorry. Am I going to trust Mr. Champagne or whatever his name is or our public safety minister to be transparent with me? This is a government that is completely not transparent. And I'm not a fan of government per se. This is not anti-Trudeau. 
okay? These are people that want to keep their jobs. They'll never tell the public the truth. And to me, that's sickening. But when we use the term third world, think again this through and let me give you Rupa the argument that I saw on my Twitter feed for one week for all the people that say I'm wrong, okay, which is fine. Their argument is literally this simple. She was on bail. She breached her bail. It doesn't matter how she breached it or how little she breached it or that it was three seconds. If you can't follow your bail, you should rot in jail. It's almost like the OJ, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Mm -hmm. Now I'm being serious. Somebody can go to anti-social media, Rupa, I never call it social media. Somebody can go to anti-social media and look at their strongest arguments for why she rots in jail. She's an enemy of the state or she had a bail paper, but she went to the dinner and she shouldn't have taken that picture. Here's a news flash to mouth breathers. I can sit here right now and give you a thousand examples of people on bail for guns, sex assault, beating women, drinking and driving, abusing children, causing death, driving dangerously, who not only are never detained the way she was by her first bail hearing months ago, they never spend a night in jail. And if they spend a night in jail on a breach, they're on house arrest, but they're found at Swiss Chalet. They're at house arrest. They're found with their co-accused. They're released on bail the next day. So anybody who thinks the answer that in Canada, once you get a bail paper and you breach it, that means you should remain in jail. Come to bail court with me for one day in Toronto, one day and watch how many people charged with fail to complies that aren't three second pictures with a bad enemy of the state at a dinner where the irony is so thick that it's the dinner to celebrate freedoms and abusive power. You come watch how many people on serious charges are accused of serious breaches of their bail, contacting the woman that they're just charged with beating up and watch how many people are released only then will your argument hit yourself in your own head about how truly stupid it is? Yeah. Did you did you manage to convince anyone that you were interacting with? Uh, I don't interact on anti-social media. <laughs> to be very clear, I don't interact. Okay. I don't respond. I don't reply. Life's too short. I don't go down the rabbit hole. I think what I think. If it changes a mind or educates somebody, great. Yep. But I do not engage with people on Twitter, particularly when you can take one look at their bio on Twitter and see the usual nonsense in their bio where they say future candidate for prime minister, or they have all these things that have become in vogue about how to describe themselves, or they're anonymous. I'm sorry, that's a rabbit hole that I don't have time or interest to go down. Um, so Ari, you've also said that, um, that uh, referring to the day that Leach was, Leach was denied bail, you said this is a really bad day for speech, dissent yes. and being non-violently opposed to government power in Canada if you didn't think the Emergencies Act, uh, the jailing of dissidents, the freezing of bank accounts did the trick. Uh, today's three-second breach 
bail denial is the cherry on top. Um, now, we can all agree that we've gone through an unprecedented few months in Canada. I was here in Ottawa on the ground as the police uh, were pushing back uh, the protesters. They were breaking up the Freedom Convoy. Uh, and I was uh, stopped by a police officer right here in the market where I live. Uh, and he asked me where I was going and what I was up to and uh, and that, you know, there were consequences for me to me if I were to go beyond a certain point. Um, again, this is the kind of thing I've experienced um, elsewhere, um, uh, in, mostly in the third world, but I'd never thought I'd experience it here in Canada. Uh, and it seems to me that you share some of these concerns as well. Where, where do you think we're headed in Canada? Are we going down the slippery slope of becoming increasingly authoritarian? Well, I say he's going to be prime minister for as long as he wants. I've always said that this is prime minister silver spoon. That's just to me a fact. I mean, Patrick Brown is out of the race. Thank God. He's as milk a toast as the day is long. The more Pierre Polyev continues down this road, I think he's either going to be prime minister if he says stuff out loud that you're not supposed to say. The more he waters it down, the more he won't. I'm not saying I like him or don't. I don't actually know him. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name until two months ago, quite frankly. But, you know, everybody seems to pretend that this is an authoritarian state because Trudeau is the prime minister. 31% of Canadians, of the 60-something percent that voted, voted for him. Aaron O'Toole got more votes. We need to get this stupid idea out of our system that 31% of 67% means that this is a far left country. We need to get this stupid idea out of our head that if you're an immigrant, if you're a black person, if you're Indian, Muslim, Sikh, Chinese, Jewish, whatever it is, that you must automatically like Trudeau because he's your guy. So because I do believe that he will be prime minister for as long as he wants, because he's aided and abetted by the discourse in our country, you know you're an outlier, Rupa, in being able to write and keep your job by actually being critical of the state. To me, this is a tipping point because we are at the point where there was an Emergencies Act invoked. We don't talk about that enough the emer because it's yesterday's news. Today, we're on to Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian and him manscaping. That's the way our attention span is in this world, okay? And you had a government that with no cause shut down not only people's bank accounts. Think that through. We're not a third world. They shut down people's bank accounts, but money launderers, drug traffickers, organized crime never have their bank accounts touched unless they're due process. You have to go to court. There are injunctions. We know who money launders. We know how who owns half the real estate in Vancouver and Toronto. You think the rise in interest rates that are going to cripple so many people listening to you and I right now, ordinary average people throughout Canada who are going to be crippled by the interest rate hike that will have nothing to do with inflation, particularly if you believe the crap that it's Biden's price, uh, uh, Putin's price hike. Think that through. You don't have any bank accounts frozen of any of the people in Canada that are nefarious. But if you're some person in Yellowknife who wanted to send 25 bucks to a cause that goes against, you're never going to do it again because you don't want to be on the RCMP radar. It's not worth the headache. But if you can't have 100,000 people sending 20 bucks to a cause they believe in, you have stifled dissent. Mm -hmm. I can't prove this. But when you get give, send, go or go fund me 
saying, we're going to take this down. Your name will go to the government, to the RCMP, and your accounts will be frozen without any due process. And then they come into the House of Commons and lie about it. That, to me, again, is the precipice of something disastrous. So just because it's July, whatever today is, the sun is shining, there's still food on the table. Look at Sri Lanka. Look at the Netherlands. Look at all of these examples of countries that were once civilized, probably with people as civilized, if not more than us. South America, Latin America. I'm sorry. It doesn't take 10 years for us to descend into something worse. So when you have a message rubber stamped by a court with no analysis, no depth, okay, maybe she breached. We'll set it for trial, but I'll release her. She's learned her lesson. She won't go to more gala fundraisers. When you send a message that a court rubber stamps this and uses terms like ridiculous and uses terms that are just so beyond the pale, you are sending a message to Canadians who may be wanting to oppose the government. Hold on, can't lose my job, can't get canceled, can't lose my ability to feed my family. And that is much stronger of an incarnation than anything called cancel culture, where you put a mean tweet out and then your Twitter account is closed. No, I, I absolutely agree with you, Ari, that uh, you know, for things to change, I mean, things can change quite rapidly. Uh, and as you mentioned, Sri Lanka and the Netherlands. Uh, and for some reason here, we seem to think that we're immune from all of these things. But uh, hey, but did anybody even think that, uh, you know, you'd had you would have one of the biggest protest movements this country has ever seen? Um, uh, you know, and would have been bigger, Rupa, it would yeah. have been bigger. But the PR exercise of the Emergencies yeah. Act, the PR exercise of freezing bank accounts, the whole point of that, Rupa, just to be clear, was not to freeze the bank accounts, but was to the silencing of millions of people that might have said, OK, I want to send 20 bucks to a cause that fights a government shutting down Main Street, ordinary average taxpayers who don't hide money in their mattress, who don't launder money, who don't bring in money from overseas. It's not that the, the bank accounts were frozen that I'm as concerned with. I am. But it's sending the message to the millions who have no voice, nobody representing them, no politician who speaks truth about crime, immigration, inflation, gas, groceries. Those millions of people are like, I'm not taking this chance. And that, to me, is antithetical to people's participation in a liberal, democratic society. Exactly. Um, so going forward, Ari, how do you think uh, things will play out for Leach? Uh, is she likely to remain in jail until this goes to trial? Uh, do you think the trial itself will be a continuation of uh, what you see, what you've called as a vendetta against her? There is no chance that that failed to comply if she even waits to trial. Well, I don't think she'll ever be convicted. I think a judge or a jury, because the Crown's proceeding by indictment, believe it or not, that's a conversation that's so stupid I can't even tell you that the Crown is proceeding by indictment versus summary. What that means for people who don't know, like the United States, they use terms like felony and misdemeanor. The Crown's treating the three-second picture like a felony, if that makes sense. There's no chance she'll be convicted on that. A first-year law student could defend that, let alone her excellent legal team. But the worry I have, Rupa, yeah. 
is that because a justice of the peace didn't tear the Crown's presentation apart, deferred to it, agreed with it, rubber stamped it, provided no in-depth analysis of its ludicrousy, started talking about the tertiary ground as if she's Paula Bernardo, as I said, started talking about her propensity to commit crimes as if she's a ticking time bomb, dangerous offender with no perspective, no humility, no backing forward and saying, okay, maybe she's odious, but she shouldn't be rotting in an Ottawa jail cell. My worry, Rupa, to your question of where it goes from here is she'll either get a superior court judge at the bail review, which will come in the next few weeks, that will tear the justice of peace apart, but in judicial terms, in judicious terms, in terms that are all deferential, the way our system works. I actually think it shouldn't work that way sometimes. I think things should be called out. I hate when a judge hears a cop lying through their teeth, but the judge will say, I prefer the evidence of Mr. So-and-so over the officer. Well, if you think the officer is a lying sack of you-know-what, call it that. You don't need to bend over backwards. Because I assure you, Rupa, when the judge thinks that the accused person is a liar, the judge is going to say, I find accused person X to be a liar. But they defer to the police too often. No, I think police should be deferred to. I'm pro-police. I'm not defund the police. I'll take the police over anybody. Any day, I'd rather live in a gated community surrounded by cops than surrounded by anybody else. So don't mistake me. But my worry is that now a Superior Court judge will get their hands on this Justice of the Peace decision. And because we live in a precedential, deferential system, which, which is arguably good, but I say arguably not so good sometimes, that a, justice, that a Superior Court judge won't say, this is the most ridiculous load of poppycock. That's Lawrence Greenspawn's word in court, not mine. This is the most ridiculous bunch of hooey horse manure I've ever seen but rather will say it was a balancing act. The justice of the peace is entitled to difference. I don't see, that's my worry. And I hope that there's one brave superior court judge who doesn't mince his or her words and comes out and says it. And, you know, people say to me, should this even be heard in Ottawa? Because passions are so high in Ottawa. Can she get a fair shake in Ottawa? That's a really interesting question. When the judge who kept her detained the first time actually said out loud, this convoy screwed up my day. I'm paraphrasing. Yep. That raises really interesting questions because usually we think of juries as being potentially biased. Juries being biased because they see Twitter or read about Johnny Depp or Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein. There is something very insidious to me happening in Ottawa where I'm not sure people have looked at this with dispassionate, nonpartisan heads Again, in the political arena, Rupa, I wouldn't care if this was a battle of op-eds and tweets. But when you have somebody's liberty taken away, you better damn have a good reason. And we have no good reason here. And the whole thing to me is not only odious, but in my opinion, it's dangerous. And to use a term in my business, I think it brings the administration of justice into disrepute. And with millions of Canadians threatens the public's confidence in why does our bail system do this to Tamara Leach, but if you're charged with possessing three loaded firearms or firing them off or sexually assaulting somebody, you get bail and the next week you went out and killed somebody? That's not a strong argument on your side.
Uh, and speaking of civil liberties, how worried are you about the future of civil liberties and the right of peaceful protest and civil disobedience in Canada? I'm more worried about freedom of speech and dissent than I am about who gets to collect themselves in Ottawa and honk their stupid horns. Okay. I'm more concerned about who gets deplatformed. I'm more concerned with who doesn't get to speak. I'm more concerned with a government directing Twitter what to do or what's misinformation. There is a great clip out there, Rupa. I don't know if you've seen it, but I invite people to go watch it. It's Carl Sagan about 30, 40 years ago talking about the dangers of science and technology. And you should find it. And I don't mean you, I mean anybody listening to us because I'm not going to plagiarize it. It's him. And what he says is, science and technology will be great. But what he's worried about are the people who control the science and technology, who know nothing about it, and use that science and technology to silence people who disagree with it or have a concern about it. And what we're finding now, which is what Carl Sagan talked about, is that the people in charge to keep their positions in power will shut down all questions about the science. And science isn't science unless it's constantly challenged, constantly tested, constantly criticized. So if the Trudeau government or the government du jour, the Biden government, is so great, it should withstand and be able to stand up to scrutiny even by the insane tin hat people who with every passing month, their tin hat conspiracies become a lot less tin hatty. So my concern is not who gets trucks together in Ottawa to drive residents nuts. I thought they should all be taken out and put in a field a thousand miles away from anybody. But what we're experiencing now is that if you don't think what's allowed, you are going to lose not only your speech, but your job, your mortgage, and everything like that. And that, to me, is so antithetical to what Canada is, that the idea that people who call themselves Democrats, capital D or small d, or who are liberal, Rupa, mm -hmm. are people who are saying less speech, not more, tells me, and this is my bottom line, that they know their ideas are absolutely terrible, and will not stand up to scrutiny. Well, um, as you say, uh, Ari, I mean, this is not Canada. This is completely bonkers. This is insane. It just makes no sense anymore. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, but, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your views and your opinions on the case. And it's been an incredibly fascinating conversation with you. And uh, and I really hope that we can uh, pick this up uh, at, at a future point. Uh, I guess tomorrow is going to be um, there's going to be another hearing coming up shortly. And, uh, and hopefully we can reconnect again at that point. It's always great to talk to you, Rupa, to read your work. And it's nice that you asked me to come chat with you. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Ari. And uh, thank you again for making the time and hope to see you soon. Thank you. Okay, take care.